Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have an amazing guest back with me. She's back for the second time. I have with me Leslie Miss Mitchell Clark, the hypnotherapist who does ET regressions. <clears throat> excuse me, super soldier regressions. Um, Leslie's a Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell Clark is a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist who specializes in a number of modalities, including working with individuals who feel like they have had experiences with extraterrestrial beings. Most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapies such as past life and inner life regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto Hypnosis Lightwork Hypnosis. Prior to her work in hypnotherapy, Leslie also had a busy career as an actor, dancer, slash vocalist. And for the past 20 years plus, she has been a, a top jazz and arts media consultant with an array of Grammy and Juno winning clients, as well as jazz festivals and record labels. Leslie is currently the director of LMC Media with offices both in Toronto and Leslie's hometown of New York City. She was also a busy arts writer contributing regularly to a variety of publications and her website is lightworkhypnosis.com and her book is called Intersections, A True Story of ET Extraterrestrial Contact. And I want to welcome her to the show again. Leslie, thank you for coming on again. How are you? Oh, Robert, thank you so much for welcoming me back. And it's always a pleasure to see you and you can be as skeptical as you like skepticism is good it's a good thing it's not a bad thing so uh, I'm thrilled to be here and uh, ready to just uh, jump down the old rabbit hole <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm so happy I'm, I, I, I the last time our show went pretty good and I know like actually more recently I know one, a couple of maybe one or two of the people that watch my show they might have contacted you I know one girl she told me she did because oh. she watched our show and um so I know people are getting like they're getting like the um the benefit from it they're they're they're, they're actually oh, yeah. running to reach out to you and and get work done or whatever and which is I, fantastic and and it's also you know I think for many of these wonderful individuals who've had experiences sometimes they just want to share about it or talk to me you know i mean that's and that's what i'm there for too so you know if you um you don't necessarily have to be seeking any kind of treatment if you just want to run something by me or see what i think or if it's something other people have experienced so that's you know we'll give you the contact info at the end of the show but um i am always happy uh to talk to people and robert's uh viewers are really lovely people you know why because i think a lot of times like you know it's it's a, a traumatic experience a lot of people transcend transcend that as something spiritual at the end you know mm -hmm. it, it depends on what they do with it it's their experience and i don't have experiences so i don't know but i know this that it for a lot of people it is traumatic and i i, mm -hmm. I don't think they know how to take that i mean is this something you see like is uh, across the board with your clients the trauma or is that just is that just a small percentage of people or does it kind of depend on the, the kind of contact that someone's mm. going through? Or? Well, that's a really, really interesting question, Robert. Now, what the way I would answer that is at this point in time with the individuals that I am working with, with the exception of those that have been involved in the 20 and back super soldiers program, that's a whole nother uh, kind of issue. But most of the encounters and experiences that people are having and recalling having are positive. Um, now, that is, in a sense, 
uh, a bit of an age-related thing. And I don't know if we touched on this in the last show, but um, many of the experiences that are so uh, disturbing that we have heard about, you know, ad nauseum from guys like David Jacobs, who are like big time fear mongers. I mean, the terrible experiences of the DNA being extracted and the torturous this, that and the other. And, and um, that kind of experience, because of what we now know uh, about the basic agreements made at Roswell with a certain variety of gray, we know that those experiences and the and the um, the laissez-faire, you know, the freedom for uh, for the zeta reticulites to conduct those experiences, it was it was only for a small window of time. There was an agreement that was made after Roswell by um, initially by Harry Truman, and then it segued into the Eisenhower years and was the very foundation of what we now call the secret space program because there was an exchange of information between the greys that crashed at Roswell and uh, our own government. It later went international. But uh, so there was an actual agreement with the, Z with the Zeta Reticulites that um, from everything I can see, they have honored because those types of DNA retrieving um, hybridization program type deals, uh, I believe they really stopped in the early 90s, if not before. Now, there are people who are going to disagree with that. There may have been isolated things going on. And, and, and bear in mind the wide variety of species that, uh, that our Terran planet is engaging with not with the people because we're all walking around in a in a fog of of disinformation and fear and ignorance some of us but um you know myself included about a lot of things but um what's going on is uh that there are hundreds of species that have benevolent um treaties or agreements with our mystery government you know <laughs> i don't know how any, any other way to put it the shadow government which in fact is international and i you know it was um my friend randy kramer who told me that uh uh he doesn't believe at this point that there is any um um uh, nation with an organized uh, society that does not participate in this shadow space program so but in answer to your question what what we see now, the majority of the things that I see now uh, sometimes feel disturbing to the participants um, because and partially because they don't have all the information. They have either partly recovered memories. They remember one thing that was a disturbing image. But generally speaking, once we get in there and really see what actually happened and begin to process and integrate uh, the memories, uh, there really isn't a, a trauma factor in that in that kind of way about what you're talking um so i would have question. to say that yes go right ahead I, I was thinking do you think that it's not a mind wiping anymore maybe it's just a the reason why they can't remember is because when they're having these experiences maybe some of them are happening on the astral level or, mm -hmm. or maybe somewhere out of space time where mm -hmm. you know 
when they come back into this, they get slammed back into this, not so much physically, but just kind of like metaphorically, they get back, slammed back in this reality. And when they come back into this reality, they're not, they're, they're in a different frequency than they were mm -hmm. in that experience yeah. was out of space time. So yes. it, it kind of messes up the mind. What do you think? I completely agree with that. Now the subconscious mind where all information is, is stored that operates in an alpha wave zone. So uh, in, in, in theory, if you were doing stuff, even having a separate, almost a separate life, etherically with some type of, if you wish to call it an astral projection or remote viewing or whatever you wish to call that, uh, that information would be uh, naturally stored in the subconscious mind without chemicals or, or blocks. In, in, in my, in, in my, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but that, that seems to be, make a lot of sense to me. Now, also bear in mind that if someone has um, um, been through the 20 and back program, the, uh, the black ops, the, the secret space program, um, they have usually been uh, at the end of their tour of duty subjected to a kind of memory block that involves, you know, humanoid technology as well as I'm sure some ET technology and it's imperfect. So they only created the, the memory blocks for the people in the space pro uh, the secret space program to last for 20 years. That's as long as they last, which is why um, I would have to say in my practice, um, the most common age group for people coming to me with memories starting to pop up would be around 40. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah. right around my age. Because what was funny was like, I had a girl, she come on my show and she can read your aura and she does something with a machine. She reads like all this stuff. And she told me I was in the secret space program. And I was like, I just don't see how it could be. Like, I don't have any, any, I don't have any memories of ever missing out on time. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, can it, can it really be that um, where you don't realize it or it's just like, I think, um, I think by this time, okay, if I, by this time, you would have returned to your teenage self, you know, 17 or 18. And if, if you were like any of the other um, dear, you know, I call them veterans, you know, heroes that have been involved with this project, then you would have been having some real emotional disturbances between then and now. Uh, probably a lot of drug use in the teenage years. This is how they all cope. They all came back. Uh, this is a very colloquial expression, but effed up. <laughs> Oh, wow. They did with a certain with a certain type of PTSD. And, and remember, some of these uh, this this program, if, if we accept that it exists, uh, what I seem to have ascertained from the different people who come to me is there are so many different types of experiences. Uh, many, many, many individuals have served in very different ways. Some of them are purely scientific. Um, for instance, there was a um, uh, there was a young lady uh, who had you know mixed a mashup of memories, and uh, you know we got in there and and um, eventually I was I 
I gently directed her to a point where she was able to access uh, her experiences in the 20 and back program. And her job was aboard some big cooperative uh, deep space nine-ish Star Trek-ish uh, uh, base, uh, a space base, a huge. And her job was, it was a science, a science base. She was in charge of caring for and researching, not hurting, caring for, researching um, kind of alien, alien life forms, but I mean in the sense of animals, alien life forms from a variety of plants so that was her gig now randy kramer if if you know we are to believe his recollections and the man has done i don't know you know he did at least three lie detector tests for gaia but he has conveyed to me that he was involved in a huge amount of combat and uh on mars and other places and um traumatic combat and um hopefully he'll come out with his book this year because i i i don't feel i should really talk about it until he does but at any rate uh people have had very 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 different experiences uh, types of experiences in these programs and then there are of course a large amount of abductees that and i like to call them experiencers a large amount of experiencers who have just had ongoing contact with extra terrestrial beings with whom they are attached either genetically or you know and that is and those experiences can be even you know euphoric and um, soul agreements like is that a is that a thing still do people have soul agreements where they come in or they 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 is that that still a thing so i believe that i i believe that we put a lot of this in place when we are in the interlife and you know if and because i do a lot of past life interlife regressions one thing that's i i think we touched on this last time but one thing that's kind of interesting is when people go you know when i have them visit the interlife you know that zone uh, uh where you go after you pass out of your physical body uh it is populated not only by humanoids who look strictly like us there are many different types of beings who are in the ballpark and some who are in fact ets who are identical to us i know that the pleiadians can pass they're they're here regularly all the time and have been for generations so i in in my way of thinking that certainly indicates that there is a genetic relationship with some beings that we still engage with on on many, many levels, not on a destructive level, but on a level of working together to help humanity sort of move up one hopes to the next vibration, to the next level. Yeah, because it's kind of like weird. It's if you look at our history, like, you know, like we have the history with possibly the Anunnaki who might have had their own nefarious reasons for you know, uh, tinkering with human DNA, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we could have been tinkered with like many a times before that. I yeah. I, I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, well, look at the, I mean, I think one, one thing to do is look at the great variety of humanoids that exist on our planet. Yeah. We have the Aboriginal peoples who are extraordinarily ancient. We have Native American peoples, Asian peoples, Celtic, I, I mean, 
you know, African people, all kinds of people. We talk about the five fingers of man. My feeling is there have to, there had to have been at least five major interventions into the gene pool. Yeah, there had to have been. Is that why we all look so different? Because we were all seeded by different ET races. I think I think different genes have played out in different parts of the world depending on who was there, and um, you know, I it, it is by legend uh, the Anunnaki were very tall and they were very blonde. So ironic, you'd think in the Middle East they would have been snow, but that's a, allegedly how their appearance. So. Uh, Scandinavian people uh, possibly would be of a closer uh, physical relationship to uh, the ancient Anunnaki. But, you know, who knows? There's all kinds of anomalies. In other words, you know, if you look at O negative blood, for instance, uh, that is the considered the original blood type of, of homo sapiens sapiens O negative however if that were the case uh <laughs> why uh, are there only why is it only what is it to five something percent of the world's population that are carrying O negative blood my dad was O negative my dad passed away but he was O negative i remember because yeah. him and his sister used to have a joke about it. they used to say to each other like something about O negative, or I'm not O negative. I don't think I can't remember what I am, but I'm. I know my dad was O negative, so that's pretty rare then to be O negative. I didn't know that. It it is it is rare. It's only about three percent of the population, and and um, you know I myself am O negative. Now the people the O negative. Um, which means it's without the rhesus factor, no coatings on the red blood cells, but O negative blood type is very common in certain populations, like the, the Basque people who live between Spain and France in the Pyrenees mountains, and they're typically redheaded, and they, they're very unusual people. Their language is isolate. It's full of Sanskrit. They're really fascinating people. They are not Spanish and they are not French. They're their own thing. And they have oh, a rate of like, I don't know, 80% of them have O negative blood, which is ridiculous. And it's not like they haven't intermarried. I mean, they haven't been isolate in that sense that they've intermarried. That's not the situation. It's just that they're all carrying that gene. People of that of that lineage, um, Celtic people have a very uh, high rate of O negative blood. If you're Irish or Welsh or Scottish, you have a higher rate of it too. That's so, probably what it was. Because I was going to tell you, I was like, I was trying to figure it out in my head because my dad was, my dad was Lebanese, but we're like we're like as American as apple pie. Like my grandfather was a he was Lebanese. He, like his father was from Lebanon, though. So my grandfather was a prisoner of war in World War II. Oh, wow. He was, he was uh -huh. captured by the Germans. And then my dad was in Vietnam, but my they have Lebanese blood, but my grandmother was Irish and she ah. was real Irish. Like, you know, like, like her last name was Callahan. So that that's mixture it. <laughs> um, was probably, that was probably where it came from. But that's pretty yep. interesting. It makes me want to do like a 23 and me because I've always been interested in my mom's Greek and Italian. So I've always been interested in my nationalities because I've always had an affinity towards like ancient history. Oh, yeah. Roman, uh, Egyptian, Greek, um, Persian, all that history. And then when I found out about the Anunnaki, that I went crazy because I was like, that's right up my alley as far yeah. as like that line of history went, you know, and, 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 and that kind of, that's kind of what I've always been drawn into. Um, do you think a 23 and me might reveal something interesting? 
I think it always reveals something interesting because we have, a, you know, we have no idea about, and genes can pop up after 300 years. We have really no idea how far, you know, our, our, um, our geno family goes. And uh, for instance, when, when I did it, uh, it, it turned out to be a little more interesting than what I had thought, because I thought, okay, I'm, I'm Irish and I got some Swedish. It turned out I also had Bulgarian and some Italian and, you know, which complete, I mean, I can't even figure out how that happened. And then later on, after you do 23andMe, if you allow them, you can put your results up and connect with people that you're related to. So I got a, wow. a connection. Yeah. So I, I was uh, this beautiful woman reached out to me and we're close cousins like second cousin I mean that's a close relationship and she is a big beautiful African-American woman and she's my cousin that's a mom that's awesome the DA doesn't lie if anything you know doing these DNA DNA um uh, getting this kind of information would ultimately one hopes put an end to racism, nationalism, any of that crapola, because yeah. we are all uh, we are all so many different things. People traveled farther and further than anyone can possibly imagine, uh, whether it was by um, you know advanced technology or the seas were four hundred feet lower. There were more land bridges; they could get where they were going. However, they did it. Human beings are remarkably tenacious. And and they love to trade goods and they love to communicate. There was no, there is nothing that will ever hold human beings back from exploring and communicating with their fellow beings around the world. I, that's I that's just part of who we are. That's who we are. And you know, hence uh, hence the finding of the uh, infamous uh, cocaine and tobacco mummies in Egypt. You what? know, no one, no one get, no one. Oh, yeah, they did. They did. Uh, they took all kinds of samples from some old, from a lot of old kingdom and new kingdom uh, uh, mummies that had been discovered in the Valley of the Kings, and they found ridiculously high rates of both cocaine and tobacco. And at, at first, they, at, 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 yeah, they, they, you can you can Google this. It's Google this. A germ, there's a German woman, a highly renowned scientist, that made this discovery. Just Google uh, uh, or YouTube the cocaine mummies. There's a whole documentary on it. But uh, what what happened is obviously I we now know that the Phoenicians, who may be um, late era descendants of um, of the uh, Atlanteans, but the Phoenicians were traveling to the New World, which is the only place where you can get cocaine and tobacco. You can't get it in Europe. You can't get it in Australia. One place. So we know that that kind of and there's and there's a lot of evidence, archaeological evidence of the Phoenician president presence in North America and I an Egyptian that. I presence. I saw that. There was, it's, on a, um, it's like it's on the Stonehenge in America, right? Yeah, yeah. There's Phoenician writing, which oh, I thought yeah. was amazing, which showed because they were they were seen they were seafarers, like the this of the Phoenicians, mm-hmm. like they sailed everywhere. They were supposed mm-hmm. to be masters of the sea. They're supposedly the ancient Lebanese type people. Like I'm oh not, yes, they know, are. Like, they are absolutely. They are absolutely. The Phoenicians are the Lebanese, and the Lebanese 
are the descendants of the Anunnaki directly because the, the Eden, where all of the genetic manipulation was done, was very near the cedars of Lebanon because Enki, uh, you know, the main genetic engineer, he couldn't tolerate the heat. So his whole compound was uh, was more north and more, uh, uh, you know, well, the famous cedars of Lebanon. I never knew where... that. I thought it was in like South Africa because I, you know what I mean? There was, was a big mining operation down there, but that was, that was not where the, the, uh, Gino lab was that was not where Anki was that was not where the, the, but absolutely like Michael Tellinger has that all together there was massive I don't know how many thousands of gold mines uh, were yeah, located in South mines, Africa right they, they, me? Found, they found some of the gold mines like and they're, they're, they're oh yeah they're bought by some mining company or gold uh, some company bought them today but they're hundreds of thousands of years, years old these mining mining like, Hundreds and hundreds of thousands, 60,000 years old, maybe even older than that. They were part of the, you know, getting that gold out of, uh, uh, out of uh, the, ab the Abzu, I think was the yeah, word. Yeah, Yeah, yeah the ab getting that gold out of the Abzu was one of the earliest parts of the operation when the Anunnaki, the Igigi, like their, you know, their military people were still doing it before they had created the adama you know the the human worker yeah so yeah. And, and uh, what's, so what's yeah interesting is if you was if you uh read the saint sumerian tablets the one the one is the the, the, the one about adam about uh, adam or adam you know they say he was wiser than the anunnaki which means they made us wiser than them you know and they they, they and then one of them didn't like that you yeah. know like it, it, it's a whole story in the sumerian tablets that they they made oh, the yeah. Adamic man better than he, they say he they say in the tablets they say he was the wisest of the anunnaki now this mm -hmm. could mean that they just made a really pristine version of adam and maybe adam was just a special being or it could mean that they made a damic man possibly better than them what, how would you translate that what do you think well i think they were they were to a certain degree they were genetic experts and they were trying to duplicate what had happened naturally on their planet uh, uh where you know they they took you know hominids primates and you know on their planet there was no there was no tinkering but that's how they became you know their their version of the humanoid that they were. They went through an evolution process, evolutionary process that was not unlike, you know, what Darwin described. Now, the reason that this is mentioned so specifically is that was the argument that Enki used before the uh, the council of the ruling Anunnaki, because, you know, years, years earlier, they had outlawed slavery. And the whole thing creeped them out of creating a being that would be a worker. That was, and and all, and Enki said, look, all I'm doing here, all I'm doing, is, you know, all I'm doing is I'm speeding up what would happen naturally. However, I think, and I also think the, the, the meaning of original sin in the Bible, although it's disguised with a bunch of symbology, symbology is the fact that in, these, in this search to, to create the Adamu, they, they, they came to realize after many experiments that the only beings that would, the beings would not reproduce 
unless the Anunnaki DNA was involved. So it wasn't just that, you know, so immediately that was like kind of a big lie. He wasn't just upgrading what was going to happen. He was upgrading and perfecting by adding in the, uh, the DNA characteristic, the DNA characters of uh, of uh, of the Anunnaki, and that uh, and that was really uh, viewed as uh, original. If you that's the that is the origin of our idea of original sin. Yeah, and, and it's it, it. If you think about it, if we come from if we come from, oh, hold on, I'm going to think about that. It's a really good point, by the way. That that that's the idea of the original sin. But I wanted to ask you. Why it's things about this, like if I just thought about this, like why haven't apes evolved? If we come from apes or we come from yeah. Neanderthal or whatever we came from, then something else didn't evolve, but yeah. we tend to evolve and we keep evolving. Like That's right. Is, and I mean, apes don't evolve, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Isn't that weird? So it makes you think we must have come some kind of weird. And so the, a, a researcher I used to watch, Gerald Clark, said that he was an Anunnaki researcher. He said mm-hmm. that our bodies aren't built gravitationally for this planet. He's like, yeah. we're at a fight against gravity, supposedly. Yeah, I don't yeah. know much about it. He did structural or structural. Well, we are. Oh, uh, we are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. He did that structural integration work. You know, the, yes. you know where they do yeah. like pressure. It's almost like shiatsu. But it's like yes, it's the direct the energy flowing in the body and yes, I, so that, yeah. But you would know better than me because you know a lot more than me. But I'm sorry. But can you do? You, but also, can before you address that, can you address what you first said that that was the idea, of the first sin? And I didn't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. The the idea. What was? I'm sorry. What did you want me to you respond to? When Anki, you know, first evolutionized man, you're right. This was the idea of the first of the first sin or something like that. Like, yeah, well, I think that what I think that what he did was finally exposed that he had used his own sperm and and had sexual relations with with the with the with Earth women like they could create men and women, but they they couldn't get them to reproduce. And for some reason, the Anunnaki sperm had to go into the admixture for it to actually work. And that was a violation of his agreement with the, you know, the whole council. That became something else. That wasn't just speeding up so-called evolution. And you're absolutely right about evolution. If in fact, you know, it does happen in in the pure Darwinian sense, which I think has now been mostly discredited, why is there no evolution of the chimpanzee? Why is there no evolution of the, you know, orangutan or the, you know, or, you know, whatever you want to uh, call it? Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they they stay the same, but we keep evolving. I mean, we have, we now, we're now getting to a point where we're, uh, we're going to have a a something that's really scary do the work for us, which is AI. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit frightened by it. I don't know enough about it. And I probably should, you know, research it more, but it's just a scary thought that we're going to, we're about to create something that's almost, it's not sentient in the way that we are, that we're biological, but it's sentient in a technological way where it can mm-hmm. make its own decisions. And what if it decides to self-replicate, um, mm-hmm. mess with nuclear codes, 
I don't know, you know, turn against us and mess with all our computers. You know, I mean, it, it, it could, it could definitely, we might be creating something that possibly has the upper hand. What, what do you think? We might be, and this is certainly contemporary angst and it's, you know, and it has, you know, been a thing that people have worried about since the dawn of technology or the many dawns of technology. Um, I don't, you know, the, the people that I know that are a bit psychic, or even if I do future, you know, you can do past life regression, and you had can do future progression as well. Uh, but I have not heard any talk about that kind of, you know, matrix like thing, uh, ever becoming an issue. I think on the other hand, um, it, it, you know, like with everything, how the technology is used depends very much on the on the uh, the pure hearts of the people who are using it. I mean, soon we will have surgeries that will be automated in that way and make them far more specific than uh, than a human hand or with a human tool could ever do. So, I I see a more um, Benevolent. I, I see a more benevolent uh, where we simply use we found the balance sometime in the future. I think we will have found the balance between our our desire and our obsession with technology today and and an ability to create an organic life, you know, with, you know, engaging with nature and the earth and have technology as advanced tools. I think we have to find we have to find the balance right now. We have no balance. Yeah, we, we, but it's probably, uh, you know, Robert, this is probably a developmental stage that any culture about to step up their, their vibration must go through the idea of an Internet, the idea of the speed of thought. You know, these are training wheels, I think for the way we will live and we will cooperate with other cultures um, in the future. Maybe not in our lifetimes. I hope so. Maybe in your lifetime, you're a kid. So <laughs> I'm, 40, I'm 42. I just turned 42 the other day. Oh my but, God. <laughs> but I want to ask you about your practice because um, I, 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 we didn't get into this last time. And I, I think a lot of my fans or subscribers, whatever you want to call them, the, the, the people who watch this show are going to want to probably see you for services. So can you conduct these services, whether it be ET regressions, uh, past life regressions? Can you do that over Zoom or do they have to come see you? No, I do it online all the time, which allows me to work with people all over the world. Um, frankly, I used to, I've always done it somewhat. You know, there's always... It, there's, I've always, for the past 20 years, sporadically, you know, but usually then it was, it would be Skype. And I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to diss anybody who works for Skype, but it was, in my experience, very erratic. You could lose this call anytime. And of course, that's the last thing you want to happen. But I find Zoom to be very, very reliable in that sense. And so if I'm going to work with someone uh, online, of course, first, I have a long talk with them and, you know, determine this, that and the other. But I usually ask if um, the individual can have a friend 
with them uh, so that in case the call is dropped, you know, the friend can reinitiate the Zoom connection. So, I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, but yes, and amazingly enough, you know, during, during the two years of COVID when we couldn't, we couldn't practice in person, I, I don't know, it just worked like magic. I, I absolutely, I'm still, I'm still shocked by the fact that it worked so well on Zoom. Are, you, are people I really, able to go, are people would be able to, sorry, I mean, are people able to be able to put under a, a deep hypnosis? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, they absolutely are. And I think it's because people accepted uh, this reality that it's me and it's Zoom and this is how it works. You know, they they're in they're in acceptance. People are in acceptance of the fact that this is an extension or that it's me and it's okay to, you know, let yourself let yourself go, so to speak. But yes, I mean, it, it absolutely, it absolutely works. And even, and this is kind of a, I know, you know, I do all kinds of hypnosis, including pediatric hypnosis. And I think what I've found is that when I'm working with kids who might be on the autism spectrum, it's actually easier for them to work with me uh, on Zoom than it is in person. So there are some advantages. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Now you do one thing I'm really interested in, and I might end up having to come to you myself because I, I'm not sure if I've had ET experiences and you pretty much ruled out that I was in the secret or secret space room or I don't I don't think I am because I I, I would have had but one thing I am interested I think in you would have had more I, dysfunction. You would have had more major dysfunction before this point. Seriously. These 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 people that went through that were went through horrible young adult periods. Horrible. Okay. Now, now, one thing I am interested in is past lives and future lives, mm-hmm. kind of like how Bruce Goldberg does. I'm familiar with Bruce Goldberg because, you know, I, I, he's, he's been around. He was used to be on the Art Bell show, but you do this oh, yeah. as well, right? Like, this is something you do. Like, yes, yes, yes. I am. Um, um, I learned uh, my regression techniques uh, from Dr. Georgina Cannon, who was a student of the great Michael Newton. So I'm really kind of directly connected to some of these amazing people who really developed these contemporary techniques for uh, time traveling, if you will. So uh, that and when I when I began to work in regression with experiencers, I really simply adapted the kind of up-to-date past life regression techniques that I had already used extensively and just, you know, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just adapted them for that particular kind of use. And, uh, and so um, the way that I do past life regressions, interlife regressions, any kind of regression is it's very gentle and it's all about the aftercare and uh, no one is ever, no one ever feels unsafe. Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's really a wonderful process. Very uplifting. I've, I've learned from it is you can uh, address some issues that might be happening in your life from past life regression, right? Like you can absolutely something from your past life is bothering you in this life, correct? Oh yeah. Because we will repeat patterns until we get it right. I mean, that's why I think that's one of the reasons that we come back is because we are refusing to learn something. 
or get something that we need to understand. And so we tend to recreate uh, the situations in different ways until we learn them. And this is all free choice. This is not some, someone enforcing this on us. We're here because we want to be, we want to be better and we want to have more compassion and we you know this we're here in the in the cruel school this is the tough school this is like the bronx it's very tough and uh you know it's um uh and we're very brave to be here all all of us and i also think that you know people like yourself and in uh, new media and we're also here um because disclosure is imminent and this is a very exciting time. And I've been led to believe by what I hear from my clients and from the beings that come through to them, that the earth is actually a very unique place in the sense that we have people at wildly different levels of development. I mean, you know, there are people on this planet who are so dark, they're practically animals, if you know what I mean. And then we also have people like the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King. I mean, we have uh, we have an incredible diversity of development. And uh, that's what makes this place. I think that's one of the things that makes our world very unusual uh, with regards to other worlds or other dimensions. Maybe. That's interesting. And I wanted to tell you, there's always... I think it's called six degrees of separation mm-hmm. between people. Like, and I, I, this is, and this is how I just put this together. Like, I don't know if you two know each other, but I had a guy named Rich Martini on my show. I he, know Richard Martini. I know Richard Martini. Yeah, and he, had, he wrote the books <laughs> Taurus Book Guide to the Flip Side and yep. Flip Side This and That and Afterlife. Yep. And, you know, and he yep. studied with Michael. Well, he, I know he interviewed Michael Newton yep. one time. He and, did. He he interviewed he interviewed him and did like a documentary about it and interviewed many many of his uh sessions no i know richard from la we were you know we're kind of of the same generation we know all the same people and his uh luana anders you know his lovely girlfriend who passed away i knew so i mean there's a, we have a lot of uh you know um what would you say quantum entanglement <laughs> that's awesome because he's an he seemed like a really nice guy oh he is yeah oh he is and absolutely he, one, one thing i wanted to ask you and i don't know if you get this from past life regressions but i don't know if you've ever studied into near-death experiences but or, or, or that shared death experiences and this if this is we're getting into unfamiliar territory i'm just going through it because i'm going through someone who's potential is dying right now and i didn't even want to bring that up on the podcast but i just confide in you because you seem to like be you have a lot of wisdom so i want to get your opinion on this like why do you think it is that some people will get like you know a near-death experience or an angel will come to their bedside and then maybe some other people they don't get anything they just have a rough death and and i mean do you think that's just like the kind of the the deck of cards being dealt or what I mean, well, I I think it's probably as individual as the people involved, how they exit. It's just like how they come in. There are difficult births for some reason. Maybe there are difficult deaths for some reason. I in my experience working as like a psychiatric aide and a psychiatric technician and, and seeing, you know, a lot of people pass, I would say that if there's fear um that's that's the thing that makes it an awful death 
if they're, they're not fear. they're not they're not used to it they're not used yeah. to they're not, they're not or they're afraid or they're or or they're or they're they're worried or they have a very um i mean i'm i was raised catholic or they have maybe a very literal idea of being judged or you know what something like that uh, old religious ideas that they're yeah. going to be found guilty and go to hell and you know all this judgment in that way is a is a is a human concoction it this is not how the universe works in I my in, you know experience but i think in situations where people are fearful um that's that makes it tough well, that makes it a tough experience. This, this is a, this information. That's why I say this information is priceless because I know, as far as me personally, like I know where where I'll be at, like with, with my as far as like, you know, like I don't know. It's hard to explain, but you know, this yeah. this conversation has been amazing. Can you tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they want to get your services and all that stuff? And like, oh, great. Thank you, Robert. Yes. So if you uh, if you wish, you can always email me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y at lightworkhypnosis.com. And that's all one word, lightworkhypnosis.com. And also you can find me on Facebook as Lightwork Hypnosis and also as Leslie Mitchell Clark. And uh, you can, I'm easy to find. I, I make it that way. Okay. <laughs> so please do reach out. Out, even if you just even if you just want to chat you know that's uh that's what i'm here for uh we we need to we need to support our experiences because our experiencers are the ones that are leading us into disclosure i i, I, I touche i agree i totally agree and that's a great way to end it well thank you for so much for coming on thank you for taking your time out and i'd love to do this again sometime because you really oh absolutely well, bless your heart, uh, Robert, and I know that you're going to be surrounded by your guides and by angels as you pass through, uh, you know, whatever it is that that is happening, and uh, you're not alone, and you've got lots of wonderful people around you, and everything's going to be okay. I know that, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm sending you my best, uh, lots of love, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Bless you. Thank Take you. care, Robert. Take care now. Okay. Sure.